Hello and welcome to Your Strategy Implemented, hosted by Scarbeck Associates, the podcast where we meet with people from all walks of life to find out about their extraordinary paths to successfully make things happen. My name is Rebecca Stevens, and it's my absolute pleasure today to be joined by Heather Sharp, founder of Forces Wives Challenge, which aims to inspire the partners of serving armed forces personnel to participate in and set up their own adventures. Heather and I met for the first time on a wet November weekend in Somerset, where I joined her and 31 Forces Wives on a selection weekend for a forthcoming expedition. So I had just a little taste of what this is all about. How did I come to be there for the weekend? Well, founder of Scarbeck Associates, Paul Huth, met Heather at a book launch and was so impressed with what she was doing that he decided to sponsor the expedition and send me to follow the story. More of that expedition in a moment, but Heather first, what struck me that weekend was that you had spotted a need and went about meeting that need. Can you just share with us what it was that inspired you to set this up and how it came about? Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Rebecca. It's great to see you again. So, yeah, I did 10 years in the regular army and in the army I had so many incredible experiences. I I kind of went on lots of adventures, travelled a lot. Um, and then when kids came along, I married someone in the, the army and actually we couldn't juggle both of our careers. So um, we made a difficult decision for me to leave. And I became kind of a, a military wife, if you like, and I saw life on the other side of the fence. And I'm quite ashamed to say, but when I was in in the army, I never really fully understood what the families go through to, to kind of enable their loved ones to serve. Um, so there I was, I had two small kids at home um, and I really, my eyes were open to, to the sacrifices. Um, and I was surrounded by by women who had just uh, who had great careers and they'd, they'd taken a break just to to support their, their partner. And I just, I really struggled, if I'm honest, with that, that lack of identity. I'd lost my purpose. Um, and I thought, like, what can I do to give mm-hmm. something back to this community? And I thought, well, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a, a group of, of military wives and we're going to go on a big adventure. You know, something that I would have had the opportunity to do when, when I was serving. So um, I dreamt up this this expedition to climb the world's highest volcano in Chile and um, went about recruiting a team of ladies to come with me. And it was the mountain was just under 7000 metres. So a massive, yeah. <laughs> a massive mountain. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of how it all started, really. Yeah. Do you know, what? it sounds so amazing. I mean, it, it's so much more than just a coffee morning, isn't it? <laughs> And I must say, when I met these women, what you're describing there, I was so humbled by the sacrifice they made that, you know, their, their husbands generally, their, the husband's job takes priority over everything, which, of course, in the forces it needs to do. But, um, you know, the identity thing with somebody's wife or somebody's mother, um, but this was really creating an identity for themselves. And, and really, you know, it struck me as also, you know, how all of us need to rise above mundanity if I can put it that way and do something which has you know got an element of excitement to it and uh, it's really fun I was also impressed that you know you said actually that these women might have been able to do this on their own but they didn't so there was that need if you like for leadership and you stepped into that role can you expand on that a little bit yeah so our community we're now over 850 members um 
and actually it's hugely diverse so we have professional professional athletes in there we have um women who have a lot of experience in the adventure world quite a few ex-military or serving reservists so there really is a, a, a big spectrum so um I think what what we offer is lives are really busy and actually when you're juggling work and you're juggling busy lives and and families sometimes it's about receiving receiving an email saying be at this pace at this time with this kit and everything yeah. else is sorted with for you and so yeah. I mean I think you probably experienced on the weekend down in Somerset the <laughs> amount of effort it takes some of these girls to get to these weekends because their partners are often away so the juggling yeah. of childcare and someone's look after the dog and time off work and everything but they they are absolutely passionate about getting there but sometimes it's just that little nudge to say and that support to say right if you are here at this time with this kit we'll do the rest um and yeah, I think no I, I really do understand that and yes people have flown in from all over the place hadn't they and gone to huge sacrifice um but also the thing that was so wonderful was the realisation that this group of women had this commonality without having to explain to anybody else how difficult it was. Not as if anybody outside the forces would understand anyway, but there, there was this immediate bond that allowed them to get on with the selection weekend and have a lot of fun together. Yeah, and I think it's, it's sort of, it's that sense of belonging. Often as a military spouse, you are somebody's wife or you know you're somebody's mum and I think you know women in general this can be um it can be it can be tough and actually um but in the forces it's probably heightened so on this weekend we have this unwritten rule um that we will never ask who your your partner is or, or the rank of your partner you know it just doesn't matter you're here for you and mm-hmm. um, and that and it's that sense of belonging. So in the same way that I I was the Royal Engineers and my husband's parachute regiment, we have that huge sense of belonging that our traditions from our regiment and our corps gives us. It gives us that identity. But actually, for spouses, that can be really difficult. So what we hope the Forces Wives Challenge will do it's our leaping lady is our identity, and it gives mm-hmm. us that that sense of belonging that feeling that we're valued because it's that sort of basic human need that we're that we're kind of that we belong that we are seen that we're heard that we're valued and um, so we hope that forces wives challenge is yeah is helping that yeah. in some way yeah I mean in the spirit of making things happen and actually executing the strategy you saw the need you had the vision um, that first expedition to climb the highest volcano in the world you know <laughs> no mean feat um, how did you pull all that together and what obstacles were there to overcome on that first trip? Oh, goodness. Why do I even start, Rebecca? Um, <laughs> so you can imagine I was a mil- all my training military. So to go on a military expedition is very different. Funding's not as much of a, a challenge, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that basic level anyway because you've gone through basic training, you've gone through military training. So you have sort of certain level of, experience in the outdoors um maybe not specifically adventure but there'll be a certain element um so there was a, a sort of a huge learning curve of taking essentially a complete team of civilians onto an expedition so even practical things such as um insurance and guides and you need completely yeah. different qualified guides to yeah. go to go on a civilian experience and then to lead a team of women, civilian women, 
compared to a team of military men. I've I've always been in a, a very heavily male dominated world to then be in a completely so to, to lead those two different types of groups was a huge yeah. learning curve um as well. And then as as you know, funding for these types of expeditions is is massive. Um and that was probably the one of the biggest challenges. So I needed to set up a website. I needed to get a social media account, have a name, have a, have a logo, have, you know, all of this stuff, which I just never had to do in the military. So I had to learn that very, very quickly. Um, yeah. But luckily, I had this incredible group of women around me who all, who we all got stuck in and, and made it happen. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all that sort of back office stuff, of course, is, you know, what every business has to do. Um, but starting from scratch, it's no mean feat. Um, but you did that collectively, drawing on resources from other people. I do wonder, um, you know, if it ever felt like too much. I mean, was there a time when you felt, you know, I can't do this or was the vision bright enough for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, some days when you get no after no after no, because this is quite it was quite different it was sort of groundbreaking in some ways um and I I've kind of met two types of people one who would say Heather this is just too ambitious you're crazy or the other type of person who says Heather this is absolutely crazy how can I make it happen how can I help you make this happen and mm. some days I just you know you get no and they're constantly getting knocked down and I just shut my laptop I'd go for a run or take the dog for a walk and the next day nearly every single time something would happen and I think you know when you've got a passion and a real belief in something it's just I was never going to give up because I wanted it so badly um Mm. that the things it will come good eventually (laughs) having the belief yeah 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 yeah. no I'm with you and I and I I love that bit about sometimes stepping back from it and just taking the dog for a walk as well because the process takes time sometimes and actually Mm. just sort of sitting at the computer constantly doesn't speed that up (laughs) Um, yeah. And you need to, yes, to, to, to rest one's mind and, and, and process it. I mean, for all of us, you know, the last 20 months um, has been tough. But those of us who like adventuring, you know, our wings have been clipped a bit. How did you manage through that period? Oh, yeah, it was really tough. Um, I think, you know, initially it was because when, when it was March, wasn't it, when, when we started to really, our travel got curbed and everything. And I think you know, there was so much else going on in life with homeschooling, my husband working from home, you know, all so much else happening in life. And then my dream, you know, my boss's wife's talent dream, and we had so many plans for the year, um, like so many businesses, we had to adapt. And actually, pretty quickly, we we went into virtually, and we, yeah. we delivered, I think it was five virtual challenges um, for charity. Um, yeah. we did all sorts of things. We ran up and down stairs and we, um, we did, we ran 10 miles for, te- for the Woodland Trust and we did lots of virtual challenges and we kind of kept the community, um, going yeah. through that. But the beauty of the virtual challenges is that we could get non FWC ladies involved. So families took part and, yeah. and our partners took part. So that was great. So we kind of kept ticking over, but, you know what we we love being together um and I think it's that the word adventure when you think about adventure you think about you know the Atacama Desert the Antarctic or whatever but actually adventure can be on your back door it can be taking yeah. a, a path you've never walked down before it can be stepping outside your comfort zones in in different ways so um 
I kind of focused on trying to do things more locally um, yeah. and still trying yeah. to get that sense of adventure. Which is really important. But, you know, all fingers crossed, uh, you're off next year. So can you tell us a bit about your next adventure? Yeah. So in March next year, we are heading to Norway to take the world's first all-female team to reenact the heroes of Telemark. So that's that famous World War II Special Forces mission on the Hardanger Vida Plateau. So, yeah, we're, we're currently, we've selected the team. Um, and you were at the final selection weekend in Taunton um, back in November. We've got our team of 10. And so we're now just doing all of our physical training to get ready for March. Can you just tell us a bit of the backstory about the heroes of the Telemark? What was their mission in World War II? Yeah, so it's, I suppose, the heroes of Telemark is a, a, a label that we put which captures a number of operations between uh, 1942 and 44. And it's a, a mixture of allies and Norwegian um, resistance that set out to destroy um, a German occupied heavy water plant in Rukin. Um, so heavy water was a, a kind of a, a a part of the German atomic bomb. And so they were set on destroying that to thwart the Germans' uh, nuclear programme. So, yeah, just an absolute real operation of bravery and determination um, by mm, the resistance mm. forces and the Allies. Mm. I mean, the idea of your skiing, I have to say, it does resonate with Scarbeck because I'm sure you're aware Scarbeck is actually named after Christina Scarbeck, uh, who was a Polish countess and Churchill's favourite spy. And um, she submitted a plan and actually implemented um, to ski into Nazi-occupied Poland across the Carpathian Mountains. And she, you know, she created this escape line across the mountains and, and managed to get out you know, several hundred Polish pilots um, who'd later go on to play a really decisive role in the Battle of Britain. So, you know, no surprises that we're excited about this group of women skiing across uh, the Norwegian plateau in this way to reenact this extraordinary mission. Um, one thing I have to say, I mean, at that selection weekend, I think there were 31 women. How many did you select? Was it as few as eight? Um, yeah, so there was myself and the expedition doctor um, are go yes. were going and then there were eight further members um, right. from the plus two reserves. So what were you looking for, you know, in that team of eight? It was extremely, extremely difficult. <laughs> I mean, we spoke at length about it on the weekend, but it was it was it was really difficult because it wasn't like, you know, when you go, for example, for officer selection, there's a list that's a you know, this is what, yes. what we're looking for. But actually, for every single member, I was looking for something different because it's how yes. the team performs. So I wasn't necessarily looking for 10 leaders. Um, so I, it was a mixture of their story, why they'd been there, you know, why they wanted it. It was about the hunger. It's about their background, um, how they performed on the weekend, how they got on with people, um, what skills they could bring to the team. Um, mm -hmm. And genuinely, I think we could have taken all 29. They were absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, to, I mean, it was a really awful week trying to choose, um, yeah, trying to choose the final the final team. Yes. Yeah, but, you know, I must tell you, I, I, I was so impressed because, of course, I was 
very worried about those who weren't going to get selected and yeah. how they would feel. And I, I spoke to a couple of them, you know, before the selection had been made. And I said, well, how would you feel if, I'm, you know, you're not one of the chosen ones? And um, I got some amazing answers. I mean, people would say, well, you know what? Uh, it's just been so amazing to be part of this weekend. And we've blocked the dates in the diary. And if we can't go to Norway, well, we're going to do something else. And that enthusiasm yeah. was so contagious. Um, it, was, it was really marvellous. So, you know, well done you. I know that must be very difficult. Can you foresee any obstacles in this next challenge that you haven't already overcome in previous previous trips, previous expeditions? Yeah, I mean, this, so our, our previous main expedition was in the Atacama Desert. Um, mm. So it was cold, but it was extremely dry. Um, yeah. I think this will be, everyone who I've spoken to who's done it, it's extremely physical. It's never, I know it kind of sounds obvious, but um, we will be, um, it's never been done by an all team of women. So it will, it's going to be extremely physical. Um, and it's how we, we kind of deal with the elements of potentially minus 20 degrees, driving, mm. driving wind, pulling poles, carrying rucksacks. Some of the girls have never skied before. So yeah. we probably are going to be massively pulling on our team dynamics and, and the teamwork to get us through, supporting each other. Um, but I'm really confident with the team we've got that we're, we're going to succeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And presumably to make that happen and as safely as possible, you've got quite a training programme already in place for the women to prepare for it. Yeah, so the girls have all been, we've got physical training programmes um, so we've been tire hauling, carrying rucksacks, you know, pole walking, um, running, cycling, strength and conditioning, uh, which is, you know, you, the alarm goes off at 5.45, it's dark, yeah, yes. it's driving rain, and you're just like strapping the tire on, dragging it through the, you know, through the lanes, through the tracks. To, mm-hmm. But it's all with the this incredible goal um, ahead of us. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're doing all we can. <laughs> And I'm presuming like most expeditions, you know, you're having to get on with this preparation because otherwise you're not going to be fit and prepared for it when you go. But at the same time, you've got to raise the money and without that money, it isn't going to happen. So are you running these things yourself, parallel? Have you got a team to help you with the finance? Yeah, so we our team of 12, including the, the reserves, of, we've all got our roles to play in the team and we've got a great um, a couple of girls who are dealing with the sponsorship. So. We've got some kind of sponsorship packages out there. And yeah, we're just, I mean, you know what this is like, Rebecca, you've just got to knock on lots of doors. And, you know, yeah. like Scarbex, as soon as you heard it, you thought, this is amazing. I, I just, I absolutely get it. Um, and it's finding yeah. those organisations that really kind of resonate with what we're doing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is probably a difficult question, but from your experience, can you just highlight what the women have taken away from the previous trips and what you'd expect to from this at a personal level and also enriching their lives and maybe helping the people around them in their lives? Yeah, so I think, you know, it is very personal to each individual. Um, and often, you know, the we've done things like Snowden and, and recently did Ben Nevis when you're staying in bunkhouses um, in Taunton, you know, staying mm-hmm. in, in sort of bunkhouses. And actually what... I've come to realize is it out of your comfort zone is very different for different people so 
in lots of our weekends we do something called this is me when the girls have to stand up and introduce themselves and explain you know why, why they're there what's the driving factor and for many girls they've never ever had to do something like that to stand up in front of a room of people and they're terrified but they do it because of the supportive environment for some people they've never left, left their kids before um they're driving in the night through tiny roads they're turning up they're sleeping in a bunk room that they've never done before um so it's that sort of showing them what they can achieve um and I think most of them will take away friendships um mm. and also confidence and all yeah. building up to resilience so putting yourself out of your comfort zone knowing that you can get through it kind of developing these coping mechanisms that when you're in that situation yeah. again you actually I've got the confidence I can do this I've, I've, I've been here before I've felt this feeling um yeah. so that's what we're, we're hoping that our our events really do yeah give give for our members well I know you're very self-effacing um but you did say and I think rightly that in some ways it's preventative because people can feel so isolated that you know to create this um what well, community essentially that they can feel a part of and have have their own identity I did speak to one woman who I think sort of says it all in that um, she had been a military wife, you know, for many years, she had four children, two of them had special needs. And every two years, she had to repack her whole house and move to somebody somewhere completely different, which is difficult enough for anybody, but with four kids and two with special needs that needed resettling into schools and all the difficulties that went with that. And she said, you know, I blame myself a bit, which I thought was mad, actually. But she said, after a while, I just thought, what's the point of trying to make friendships in each of these places if I know I'm only going to be there for a very short space of time? And, and the isolation that came from that could be really devastating. And, and, you know, this goes a long way to give people a community, even if they are moving around quite a long way. Um, so I, I, incredibly important work at so many levels. I just wondered, Heather, if we could finish, because there'd be lots of people out there, one who might want to sign up and how they should go about that and secondly for wider audience um, beyond the forces you know if you had to give one tip um, to people to take their first step to do something amazing whether that be an expedition or something completely different what would you say so I think you know initially it is to really figure out what you want to do there's so many things to do out there and I think with social media you're just Influencing so many people are just constantly flooding your feed with doing these incredible things and you think oh god I could never do anything like that but I think you need to be really true to yourself about what you want to do so if that's a, a 5k maybe you want to to walk a 5k don't look at the people who run you know ultra marathons and think oh well there's no point be really true to yourself you know what is it you want to do and and why and I don't think you know, in our context, it's about adventure and however you define that. But And it doesn't have to be sort of adventure in the outdoor sense. It can be you know, something simpler, like I'm going to go for that job that I have always mm -hmm. been meaning to, but I just yeah. feel that I'm not good enough. And it's yeah. it's being really true to yourself about what it is you want to do, as opposed to trying to please other people. Thank you, Heather, for closing on such an inspirational note encouraging all of us to take that first step to adventure. 
And thank you for giving your time and joining us on today's episode of Your Strategy Implemented. It's been brilliant to hear the story behind such an incredible expedition and the way in which you built a community of forces wives with an identity and sense of purpose beyond the usual coffee morning. Scarbeck is delighted to be sponsoring Heather and her team in their reenactment of the heroes of Telemark and look forward to following them as they live out their plan and make it happen. Please do consider signing up to our podcast series, Not to Miss an Episode. And to learn more about Scarbeck and keep updated with the Forces Wives Challenge, visit our website, scarbeck.com, or find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. 